Kate Miller Falch and welcome to the Letter from Ireland show. You're listening to Series 1, Episode 3. Well, everybody, delighted to have you here again, all the way forward to episode three of the Letter from Ireland show. And uh, this is Mike, Mike Collins. And Karina. How are you doing, folks? Oh, very, I'm doing very well. I hope everybody else is answering too over their cup of tea or coffee, or maybe something a little stronger this morning. I think we're going to hit on something a little stronger this mm. morning. And what Mike? would that be, Karina? I think you have something in store for us this morning uh, to do with whiskey, Mike, am I oh, right? Oh, yes. Well, listen, not just any old whiskey, but whiskey with a K-E-Y at the end. And we all know what that means. Irish whiskey, not scotch. Oh, yeah. yeah, so today we're actually going to dive in to Irish whiskey, a little bit of history about Irish whiskey. Uh, we're going to link it, as we do, to a couple of surnames, a little bit of Irish history. And as we actually go into the rest of the actual show... We're going to link all the way over to the green fields of France and tie it up with another spirit known as cognac and one famous Irish name associated with the cognac of that region as well. But before we go on, let's talk about whiskey. So, Karina, any uh, whiskey drinkers in your family by any chance? Well, it does bring to mind, you know, when you were talking about the whiskey, uh, my granddad had a special grow, as they say, for whiskey. So... And times of occasion, he always went to the little press at the side of the uh, stove. And in there, he kept his private little stash of whiskey. Now, his main object was to get somebody to drink the hot whiskey with him. I remember a few times, yeah. And you might have been asked, Mike, and I certainly was. At one stage, when you came of age, you were asked, would you like a hot whiskey? My mum never fancied the drink, so then he moved on to the younger generation for some company. But he never drank too much, but he really loved his hot whiskey. And you know, Mike, he lived to the ripe old age of 102. So there may be something to that. I guess that just wasn't the uh, North Cork air by itself. But the water of life was seeping through his bones over time. Exactly. Which is great. Fantastic. Well, I have fond memories of him and his his hot whiskies. So the first letter we're actually going to dive into today actually has to do with Irish whiskey. And uh, rather than actually explaining it up front, I think uh, we'll just jump in and start to read and maybe have a chat around that. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. Off you go there, Mike. Okay. So this is called, I'll have a drop of Irish whiskey with that. Kate Mila Falcha, and welcome to this week's Letter from Ireland. It's a lovely, crisp, sunny morning here in County Cork as I write. I do hope the weather is treating you kindly wherever you are in the world. I've just poured a cup of Barry's tea for myself. God, Queen, that's making me a bit thirsty there. Would you ever go out and put the kettle on? <laughs> and I do hope you'll join me now with a cup of whatever you're having as we start into today's Letter from Ireland. I'll have a drop with that. Do you like the taste of Irish whiskey? Maybe you like it in a hot toddy or as a nice smooth base layer in an Irish coffee. As a young fellow, I served my time as a barman in McBarry's pub in Douglas County, Cork. Each evening, a few different old fellas would come in and take their regular stools at the bar. The order of the day was normally a pint of stout, like Guinness, or a half pint if their bladders weren't up to it. But all of them had a drop on the side. This drop, or half one, was a half measure of Irish whiskey. Some would take it with a jug of water, some with some ginger ale on the side, 
and some would simply tip the whiskey into the creamy head of the newly poured pint, the height of drinking efficiency. During this time, the 1970s, the choice of Irish whiskies was at its lowest for centuries. You had a choice of brands called Powers or Paddy, or maybe Bushmills, Jemson or Hewitt, if you were feeling a little more exotic. But Irish whiskey was clearly dying out with these old fellas, and the feeling was that it might soon be gone. A brief history of the water of life. The English word whiskey comes from the Irish ishgabaha, which is basically spelled U-I-S-C-E, meaning water, and B-E-A-T-H-A, coming from the word for life. So it literally means the water of life. It's believed that the process for distilling whiskey was introduced into Ireland about 1000 AD by Irish monks who were already familiar with this distilling process, which was used for perfumes on the continent of Europe. Shortly after, these monks also introduced the distillation of whiskey to their monasteries in Scotland. Those monasteries were cold places, I guess. Oh, I imagine that would have been really warming on the cold nights to have a nice hot whiskey. Or if you're up at four in the morning for the prayers, I can imagine there was a couple of drops knocked back then as well, Corinne. Could have been. So over time, the smoother whiskies of Ireland were considered much superior to Scottish whiskey, and for a number of centuries, Irish whiskey was the most popular spirit in the world. By 1900, about 12 million cases were shipped from Ireland around the world. But then, we had prohibition in the US, the Irish War of Independence in the 1920s, and a series of economic and supply shocks that reduced the manufacture of Irish whiskey all the way down to 500,000 cases. Could you imagine that, 500,000? So by the time, and that was by the time my old fellas were knocking back their drop from the bar stools of McBarry's. In the meantime, the whiskies of Scotland, Scotch, had gone in the opposite direction. The number of Scottish distilleries increased along with the quality and demand. And then something happened. I suppose, Mike, when we were going out and uh, frequenting bars in the early days of our courtship, nobody would have dreamt of drinking whiskey really of our age so they wouldn't no, no i think you had to be roughly 45 plus at the point yeah. yeah whereas i think now it's become popular again hasn't it really it's more classy drink for people yeah now. i suppose drinks like baileys and so on you know they really introduced that smooth element being introduced into liqueurs and so on yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. but let's face it nowadays well let's talk about that now when did irish whiskey come back to life then well here we go i have the answer here in front of me <laughs> So, since about 1993, Irish whiskey has become the fastest growing spirit drink in the world with the backing of the big conglomerates. Both the smooth blended whiskies such as Jemison, as well as local whiskies that have a unique character of their own, they've both driven this charge back onto the shelves of our pubs and off licenses. It looks like we'll be back to our previous high of 12 million cases by 2020, imagine. 12 million, that's some number. Mm. Great export from Ireland. And that's just coming back to that. But I also think there's an interesting parallel story behind this resurgence of Irish whiskey. And of course, it's a personal opinion. You know how we often chat about the catastrophic decline of the population of most Irish counties between the census of 1841 and 1961? Well, in a lot of counties, the population was reduced by two thirds due to famine and emigration. This was a time when many of your own ancestors left these shores for a better life. Well, by the late 1800s, Ireland was just starting to regain a sense of, I suppose, Gaelic identity, an identity that had been beaten down and forbidden for many centuries. Well, today, Ireland is a young country, 
not yet 100 years as an independent nation. And of course, it's taken many decades to develop both confidence in our abilities and a pride in our heritage without feeling that we have to ask someone else's permission first. Well, I really like the way you've brought, Mike, the Irish whiskey full circle there now, and it's part of our Irish heritage. Fantastic. Yeah, because I, I suppose when we lived through kind of a certain amount of that, Karina, hopefully a long time to live yet like your grandfather. Oh, yes. But really, I suppose that I feel it's only since the 1990s that we've regained a proper sense of national identity and confidence about where we stand on the world stage. And as we looked back, we realised what a rich culture and set of traditions we possessed. This slowly building realisation and confidence has started to produce many examples of a resurgent Irish spirit, pardon the pun, including the rebirth of the Irish whisky industry. What do you think? So, no matter what your opinions on alcohol, whiskies, or the correct measure for an Irish coffee, I wish you slantia and many years of health and happiness. Slant for now, Mike and Karina. Well, Mike, I'm really surprised that our export of whiskey dipped so much there in the 1900s. And it's really, really great to see it on the up now. And it's become such a popular brand all around the world. Isn't it just absolutely great? Makes you feel very patriotic whilst you're drinking your whiskey. And proud to be Irish. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's going to lead us on to our next letter. And we're going to stay with the spirits theme, I guess. So while we're going to leave whiskey behind... We're going to move on to a very particular surname and we're going to look how that particular surname and a little bit more besides that actually travelled across to another country and set up another drinks dynasty, I should say. So, Karina, I believe you're going to read this particular letter, going to start us off. Yeah, I'm going to start off the wandering and uh, we're going to first start off with wandering to the green fields of France. So let's begin. Cade Mila Folta. And welcome to your letter from Ireland. We had a bit of a storm last night and the landscape is green and fresh as I look out the window here in County Cork this morning. I do hope you're keeping well in your part of the world today. Now, I'm on the Barry's Tea this morning, so join me now with a cup of whatever you fancy yourself as we start into the today's letter. How about you? I wonder what you're drinking this morning. Today we're going to have a wander around the place. We'll cover two significant birthdays, one here in Ireland and one in France. Then we'll hear from a reader who ties a lot of these items together. This is very international, how have you know, and very Irish. So, wandering on a little further. As I mentioned, we're going to wander around a little this morning, and next week, myself and Mike are off to Sligo Leitrim and Donegal for another Irish Homelands feature for our Green Room members. Sligo is full of celebrations at the moment for the 150th birthday of Ireland's most favourite poet, William Butler Yeats. His mother came from these parts around Sligo and he visited many times as a child and over the years, in fact, he is now buried under the shadow of Ben Bulban outside the town of Sligo. Maybe you've heard some of the lines of his poetry, particularly this poem of his called The Song of Wandering Angus. I went out to the hazel wood because a fire was in my head and cut and peeled a hazel wand and hooked a berry to a thread and when white moths were on the wing and moth-like stars were flickering out I dropped the berry in a stream and caught a little silver trout. 
When I had laid it on the floor, I went to blow the fire of flame, but something rustled on the floor, and someone called me by my name. It had become a glimmering girl, with apple blossom in her hair, who called me by my name and ran, and faded through the brightening air. Though I am old with wandering through hollowlands and hilly lands, I will find out where she has gone, and kiss her lips and take her hands. A walk among long dappled grass and pluck till time and times are done, the silver apples of the moon and the golden apples of the sun. Did you enjoy that? There's so much timelessness in that man's words, Karina, really, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. And that's that's one of the poems we would have learnt at school now, Mike, isn't it? I, I certainly remembered it from my secondary school years. Um, and I think we, we often see that one, the silver apples of the moon, the golden apples of the sun, quoted quite a bit. Absolutely. There's such something great resonance in it. And, you know, I suppose you did start by mentioning that this morning's letter was wandering, so let's wander on. And the title of that poem, The Song of Wandering Angus, contains a man's name that was popular down through the centuries in both Ireland and Scotland, and it's the name of, well, the name Angus, which can be spelled A-O-N-G-H-U-S or A-E-N-G-U-S. Or, of course, sometimes modern spelling, A-N-G-U-S. From Angus to Hennessy. Now, you might be surprised at just how, as you probably know already, most of Irish surnames actually come from first names. And here we're going to take the very particular example of what we just talked about, the first name Angus, and actually looked at how that evolved into a number of different surnames including the surname Hennessy. Let me explain a little bit more. Last week, Carolyn Hennessy from Florida was on to us with the following. Dear Mike and Karina, My roots began here in America in the early 1600s. My people relocated further south over the centuries, and but they stuck together, and if you harmed one, you had all to deal with. We now cumulatively excuse me, cumulatively, have thousands from their roots right here in central Florida. That is my southern and Irish heritage. That is who I am. So thanks very much, Carolyn, for sharing that. And I hope you don't mind us sharing it with our other readers just now. You see, in an earlier email, Carolyn explained how her Hennessy name came from O'Hennessy, which came from Ireland. Hennessy itself is a surname found in the family tree of many of our readers. That's what I've noticed, and maybe you own one yourself. It comes from the Irish O'Hengusa, or descendant of Angus. As I mentioned earlier, Angus was a popular name in Ireland down through the centuries, and when the surname system came into place, different groups of O'Hengusa families sprung up around the country. Today, you'll find it mostly in Munster, to the south, as well as parts of Leinster to the east. When the names were anglicised, this name sometimes became Hennessy, sometimes Ennis, like the town in County Clare, although nothing to do with it, and sometimes Henchy, and so on. Well, that's really interesting, Mike. Now, so, in other words, there could be a lot of listeners there today with the surname like Henchy or Hennessy, linking back to Angus, so that poem might be of real relevance to them. Up on the wall straight away. Lovely. Now, let's move a little on then to the wild geese and the green fields of France. And on to another birthday. This year, it's not just the 150th birthday of William Butler Yeats, but it's also the 250th birthday of the great cognac, or as we like to call it in Ireland, brandy. 
the Cognac House of France, the Hennessy's. About 25 miles to the north of where I'm sitting at the moment, you're going to find the county Cork town of Mallow. If you head to Mallow and then turn right for Castletown Roach along the River Blackwater, you'll come upon the small village of Killavollen and Bally McCoy House at its centre. Now, this was the house that Richard Hennessy, the youngest son, left firm in 1744 to fight in the armies of Louis XV of France. He saw service, was injured at the Battle of Fontenoy in 1745, and shortly afterwards he settled in a small town in the west of France, a town on the banks of the Charente River called Cognac. And do you remember going to that part of the world, Karina, way, way, way back? No, but I'm sure I'm sure you do, Mike. Did we travel ah, there? Ah, you do, you do, because La Rochelle oh, of course. is a town on the coast of Aquitaine, and just inland a little bit, you'll find the whole Charente, you'll find the actual Cognac region itself. But I don't think our tastes were that developed. They weren't developed. I don't remember sampling any of the cognac then. I oh. think lying on the beach and having some seafood <laughs> was the extent of our uh, cultural endeavours back at the time. Yeah. So it was in cognac that Richard Hennessy experimented with a particular style of brandy. And this was a precursor to the cognac that we still know today. The firm stayed in family hands down through the decades and there is still Hennessy involvement even though the company has now assimilated into a much larger luxury brand corporation. Now, earlier this year, Frederic and Maurice Hennessy, descendants of Richard Hennessy of Kilavollen, you remember that little village I mentioned near Mallow, welcomed their French growers and producers back to Ballymacoy House, which has stayed with the family down through the centuries. Isn't that amazing the way that can come around just full circle like that? I think it's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And you know, I was just kind of thinking earlier as well, Karina, that idea of um, their ancestor heading off for France, that was the way with the person who wasn't the eldest in the family. They had to go away and seek their fortunes because, if you like, the house and the lands were being passed on to the eldest son or whoever it was at the time. Well, what a fortune he found. He really he did well for did, himself. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that struck me most of was Maurice's explanation of the French term terroir, a term often applied to describe the region from which a French wine originates. But as Maurice explains, it means the climate, geography, soil condition, people and production techniques that come together to create a specific wine. And in short, it means a sense of place and of origin and of home. In a way, Killavollen in North Cork has remained the terroir for the Hennessy family down through the centuries. And Sligo has been the terroir for the poet William Butler Yeats. For Carlin Hennessy, her terroir seems to exist in a strong sense of kinship and shared values that has transplanted to central Florida. How about you? Where is your terroir? Well, enough wandering from Mike and myself for one week. I hope you enjoyed our rambles across music, birthdays, geography and history. We'll see you next week. Slán, Mike and Karina. Well, that was very nice, Karina. Yeah. Um, you know, isn't it amazing how, I guess, you know, just that sense of kind of full circle all the way around from, you know, that sense of terror. And I love that word. It's a pity it's not an Irish word, by the way, but, you know, we let that one go. We let that to the French. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, that sense of kind of home, that sense of connectedness that you can have no matter where you are. And it seems, no matter what species you are, be you a plant or be you a person, 
mm-hmm. terroir counts. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. And I, I just fantastic that the Hennessy family came full circle and Maurice and his brother, you know, invited the growers from France back here to Ireland, back to that house near Mallow after all those centuries. And it reminds me of that old Irish saying, Nilantin Tom or the Hintan Fane. Which means, Mike? I think you know. No fireplace like your own fireplace. That's it. Nilantin Tom, there's no fireplace. Or there's no place like home. That's about it. And we won't. <laughs> so, yeah, I think we'll leave it there for this week, Karina. Um, two letters, folks, there you had. Uh, tying up, if you like that idea of both Irish whiskey. And I suppose you could call it our spiritual episode in a way. And we do hope you enjoyed it. And we're very much looking forward to the next episode and talking to you again next week. So that's it from us. Slán for now. Slán. And uh, chat soon. Take care. Bye. Okay, that's it from the Letter from Ireland show for this week. We do hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can see these show notes, all the letters, uh, the links and so on mentioned at youririshheritage.com forward slash episode 103. That's youririshheritage.com forward slash episode 103. And do remember to join us for next time. And we're going to continue along this so-called uh, spiritual journey, if you like. And we're going to actually visit a number of McCarthy's bars. And then we're going to actually look at one Irish pub in particular. So really looking forward to that and really looking forward to you tuning in and joining us next time. Take care. Sláinte.